Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. Wow. I bet, I bet that brought back some memories, seeing those pictures. Some of you looked a little younger. <laughs> Somebody says, because we were. Well, I tell you what, I praise God to be able to be living in a nation who has God's favor, but also who has the fortitude of people who will serve their country. And we celebrate you. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're in a series, we started a series last week called Following the Voice of God. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells that He's the Good Shepherd. That He gives His life for His sheep. He knows His sheep and and are known of His own. But in verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. The one who gives His life for the sheep says that He knows us, but He also says we hear His voice. And oftentimes we talk about hearing God, but let me tell you, the key to continually hearing God is that last part. They follow Me. You may hear a voice, but what good is it if we don't follow? How many of you know that sometimes follow-through is the problem? It's not that we don't know. It's not that we haven't heard. It's the follow-through. In Matthew 4, Matthew, Jesus was answering the enemy's temptation. And He says this, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, the key word there is proceeds. It's in the present tense. It's, it's God's always speaking. God is speaking. Fifteen times in the New Testament, Jesus makes a statement. Most of the time, I believe eleven times in in the Gospels, but then in Revelation also. And he says this, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. So we're talking about hearing, listening, and following the voice of God. Now I realize what I'm talking about. Why is it when we talk to God, it's called prayer? And when God talks to us, it's called crazy. Looney Tunes, weird, schizoid, you're one of those who hears the voice of God? Yeah, right. Because we've also heard, you better be careful, people get off into all sorts of errors and become unmanageable when God starts talking to them. Preacher, you mean you hear voices? We all do. You're hearing them right now. You're thinking, what's he fixing to say next? The question is not whether you hear them. The question is, whose voice are you going to follow? So let me ask you, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible is God's Word written down for us to be able to know Him? Well, if you believe the Bible and you believe what the Bible says and you believe the Bible is an accurate record of God speaking and living and loving man, well then I want to tell you, we are in a long line of 
millennia of God speaking to people. God speak. It's recorded. It's still going on. Hearing God's voice is absolutely scriptural if you believe the Bible. But let me tell you another side of this. Hearing God's voice doesn't make you important. In fact, hearing God's voice doesn't prove that you're righteous or even right. Hearing God's voice merely means you're human. A creation of an almighty God and you've been made in His image. We were created to relate and to accommodate our Creator. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. That word life in the Septuagint is the Greek word zoe, which means the same quality, a special quality of life that God Himself possesses. You were created to have a living relationship with God. And thanks to Jesus, His life, His death, His crucifixion, the shedding of His blood, and His resurrection, that's not only a possibility, it's a promise. But I find there's two main hindrances for us hearing and following the voice of God. Number one is... My concept or my perception, my understanding of who God is. And the second is my concept, my perception, my understanding of humanity as it relates to God. The whole issue is about relationship. God is all about relationship. Everything God does and everything he, say, he says is about relating to us and us relating to Him, of having a personal relationship with Him. But if your idea of God is that man upstairs, the old man upstairs, removed, remote, and ruling with an iron fist, or if you see God as that cosmic boss whose chief joy is ordering humanity and creation around, taking pleasure in seeing us jump at His every command, and having this book that He's writing down everything you've ever thought, said, heard, or did. And you know He has a movie of it, don't you? And when you go to heaven, He's going to pull out His old movie projector and He's going to show you everything you've ever done in your life. And you're going to see all of those times you missed opportunity of serving Him. We've all heard it, haven't we? Most of us grew up in a culture of God being a commander. Because we have ten commandments. Have you ever looked up the word command? You see, when I hear command, I think of demand. Of rules. In other words, there's a demand on me because it's a command. Well, I just, you know, I don't know why I didn't do it before, but I looked it up. In Hebrew and in Greek, do you know what command means? It means to direct or guide. That God gives us His commands because He wants to guide us and enlighten us so that we could live the life God intended us to live. His commands are not demands that you have to live up to. It's an opportunity to have His guidance, to have His wisdom, know His way. 
You see, I found out the Ten Commandments is all about relationship. You just stop and look at them. The first four is about our relationship with God. Love the Lord your God. The last six have to do with man relating to one another. To love your neighbor. To love people. The Ten Commandments are about loving God and loving people. Jesus said on that, a whole law is built. A relationship. But you see, if we see God as demanding, as commanding in the sense that He is telling us the rules, and if you don't live up to it, He's going to wipe you out, then you don't understand why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to wipe us out, but to lift us up. Put in us the ability and the life by which we could live according to His guidance and His direction. Jesus revealed God as the Father. It was all about relationship. The other side of it is my conception or my perception of, of humanity as it relates to God. You know, well, if there is a God, He's surely big, bigger than what, <clears throat> too big to deal with us. I mean, it'd be like us in an ant bed. How many of you like fire ants? You know, most of us think God is like us in fire ants. I mean, if He could just deal with us, He would. And most of us think that we are like those ants, that, that we just we don't amount to much. If, God is, if I think God's too big and too removed and to put up with people, too holy to put up with sin, or that He's already said all He's got to say and it's up to us to live by it, you'll not expect Him to speak to you. God's too big. He's too busy to be personally involved in me, in my life. There's a story told about a missionary and God. They were walking down the road and something almost happened. An accident almost happened. And the missionary said, man, that was good luck. <clears throat> and Gandhi says to him, I thought you were a follower of Jesus Christ. I thought you were a believer. And he says, I am. Now listen to what he said. I am, but I don't think God plans his day around me. Now think that's a missionary, and that was Gandhi. And he says to him, I don't think... In other words, here's what he's saying. God's too big and too busy to plan His day around me. Now we think that makes God out to be big. But let me tell you something. That makes God out to be less. God is so big and so good and so holy and so righteous that He can plan His day around every one of us and never miss a beat. You see, if I think that God is just too big to be around us, you miss it. And it'll make a difference in whether you hear Him. The Bible is full of accounts of God being directly involved in people's lives. We see those, and here's the problem, we see those people as special and unique. There's Moses and David's and all that. So we read the Bible and we think that somehow they were special. Let me tell you what they were. They were human. And if you're not careful, you'll make them out to be something you're not. James says that Elijah prayed he was a man of like passions like one of us. In other words, Elijah wasn't any different from any of us. Here's the thing. You've got to start reading your Bible as God speaking to human beings and not unique individuals. Here's the thing. Put yourself in the Scripture. 
Because God would do the same to you if you were living in that day and if you were living in that time. In other words, their experiences are not unique. They're experiences. And God wants you to have some too. With His voice. And what I want to encourage you here is most of the time, if we don't read the book as a living document, the Word of God is alive, it's living, it's active, able to divide. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, we make that as a weapon. Let me tell you something. The Word of God is alive. It's living. Unless this comes home to you, you've got to start reading the Bible the way that God is still God. He hasn't changed. He's the same today, for yesterday, and forever. Because if you don't, the Bible will remain an unreal, unread, and a disbelieved, even though we say it's the truth, we don't believe it. Because we think it's simply a book of doctrine, and we'll make it out to be a book of doctrine. Read the Bible, put yourself there, and, God, and realize that God is up to something. Do you know I am at New Covenant Church because I got a specific word from the Scripture to Connie and I, and we came in obedience to the Word of God that we received, and it was a Scripture, Psalm 121. And He gave us promises in that Scripture. And we've walked in those promises for over 30 years, and it was a verse of Scripture. Now, I can go back and read that verse again, and it doesn't mean the same thing as it does now. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't that it did then. But I want you to understand, God gave me a verse that the reason I'm standing here, He gave me a verse out of Acts, and He says, Go stand and speak all the words of this life. I'm still living on that Word. It still energizes me of what God intends for me to be and to do. That Word. Why? Because I didn't just read the Bible as a book of information. I see when I read the Bible, I put myself there. How would I have been when, in Gideon? I would have put out another fleece. I would have done so. You know, here, when you read the Scripture, what would it have been like to have been there? What, how would I have felt it? How would I have react, reacted? And then listen for what God has to say to you. Live, read the Bible because it's a living document. You hear His voice there. Hebrews eleven six says this, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek Him. You do realize that we... You hear voices. We all do. Adam heard God in the garden. I believe Adam heard God inside and outside. There was no limit to his relationship, his fellow. They shared life. But when Adam listened to the voice of the enemy and believed him rather than God, it altered the way Adam heard. Now, after he ate of the fruit, now his inner voice was motivated by his own flesh. God's voice was now in competition with other voices. Now, God's voice was in competition with a knowing different from God, a good and evil as it related to Himself. Satan's voice was now another motivating factor. You see, you empower who you believe. You empower whose voice you follow. You see, we were created to, to respond spiritually through our soul, through our body in this life. After the fall, it turned around backwards. Now we respond to our body, we reason it out, and 
our spirits the last in line. But let me tell you, God never intended that way. And when you're born again, that's all switched up again. You were recreated, a new creation in Christ. Now, you are hearing His voice, whether you recognize it or not, because of your flesh and because of your soul. It's learning to respond and follow His voice. Adam became a son of disobedience, Ephesians tells us. It was not that he couldn't hear God, but now God's voice had competition. Adam had to choose to hear God rather than the living rather than living in fellowship or shared life with God. Ever since Adam, the voice of God has had competition in mankind. I want to share with you this morning, there's at least three different voices that you hear. You hear literally and you hear inside. Man's voice, including your own. God's voice and the enemy's voice. We all hear it. Well, how do you know which is which? Anybody want to know? How do you know? I'm hearing these voices. How do I know? How do I know it's God? How do I know it's the enemy? How do I know it's me? A man's voice. Let me just give you the qualities of a man's voice. Because most of us, this is the one that's probably more natural to us. Man's voice is logical. It's rational. It's logical and rational. It's Sequential. Usually it's A to B to C. Or linear might be a good word there. It's A to B to C. It's usually based on experience. We learn by experience. We, and it's, a, it's, it's life lessons. We hear this voice. Pretty soon you don't even have to hear it. You don't hear it as a voice. You think, you think that's the way you are. It's learned. Facts. Figures. It's reasoning. I'm not telling you any of this is wrong. I'm just telling you this is the voice you hear. Here's the big deal is, it's cultural. Most of us learn to hear mama's voice first. Now, even though you said dada first. We usually, we usually learn because the reason we're nurtured, we, we learn to hear the voices. Then they, you grow and you learn to hear and you recognize the other voices. But here's what you learn. You learn good and evil. You learn right and wrong. You learn to filter those voices out. And you learn to hear those voices by culture. In other words, if you were brought up in the Middle East or if you were brought up in Islam, you would have learned the culture of that and you'd learn right and wrong from that culture. And so you would hear those voices. How many of you have ever started to do something and you heard mama's voice? Or daddy's voice? Daddy may be gone. My daddy is, but I turn the corner every time. Every time I look in the mirror, I see him. That's scary. But let me tell you, I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm just saying it's a voice. It's just limited to our own logic and our reasoning. Now, how many of you have ever had thoughts that you didn't know where they came from? Think, oh my goodness, what is this? What is this? Thoughts that are not yours. They didn't come from you at all. They came to you. These are spontaneous thoughts. They seem to come out of nowhere. They seem random. How many of you have ever seen the cartoons with the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other? The reason we have the cartoon is that's usually how we live. 
We're in the middle of these voices that are telling us. Let me tell you, it's not your voice. It's coming to you. God's voice is not your voice. It's coming to you. There's two, two main sources of spontaneous thoughts. God and the enemy. Well, how do you know the difference? If you don't know the difference, you'll end up double-minded, constantly second-guessing ourselves and second-guessing our relationship with God. How do you tell the difference? Anybody want to know? I'll give you two words that are going to be on your screen. Two words. You need to probably memorize these two, okay? You know God's voice, you know the enemy's voice by content and by character. By content and by character or the nature. Somebody could call me and tell me, Connie said that you were supposed to do this or you were supposed to do that or she said this was going on. How would I know whether it was really Connie saying that had she said that or not? I'd know either by content or I'd know it by character. I know what Connie, because I know Connie. The same thing or what I'm trying to get to you is you can know the difference between the enemy's voice and God's voice by content and by character, by the nature. And again, I go back to those two hindrances. If you don't know what God's like, and if you expect Him to be the big old man upstairs that's commanding and demanding, you're not going to know the content or the character. So let me share with you the enemy's voice. How do I know it's the enemy? How do I know? I'm telling you, you can know by content and character. Here's what the Scripture says. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He's called the deceiver. He's called the father of lies. Jesus said, you've been a liar from the beginning. Let me tell you, even when the devil tells you the truth, it has a lying intent. It comes from the character of a liar. He even quoted Scripture to Jesus. But Jesus knew the character of the one who was quoting it. The next thing is, He tempts. He tempts to evil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He tempts to evil. Folks, listen. Evil is not just doing bad things. Evil is the construction behind it. What happened in, in the church down by in Sutherland Springs, that's pure evil. It's not just the actions. It was the character that was behind it. Understand that the enemy tempts you to evil. He tempts you. He tests you. He pushes you. He comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8 says. A roaring lion. Let me tell you, the enemy shouts. He talks out loud. He speaks real loud. How many of you know the voice of the enemy. A lot of us think it's God because it's commanding. It's demanding. Because we don't understand the character of God, we literally think that that's what God's saying. What He's saying is, you should have known better. I remember very distinctly, uh, I was raising, we were raising our girls in a, at a time, and I think, I'm sorry to say, I think they were teenagers. I'd already had a lot of training time with them. But I remember I used to get angry and I would shout. I would, you know, I would command. 
and I would shout. And I remember one day very distinctly, the Lord said, Daryl, you're training your girls to respond to loud voices. I don't speak in a loud voice. You're training them up to listen to loud voices. I wish I could say I never raised my voice again. But every time I did, I knew what was going on. I could, I, I, you know, I wish I'd have never done it again, but I did. But the whole point I'm trying to say is, God spoke suddenly. I knew by character and content it was God. God was saying, Daryl, when I speak, I don't push and I don't demand and I don't command. I lead. I say, we're going to talk about God's voice. Here's the thing. Satan shouts at you. It's a roaring lion. He wants to chase you into a trap. So let me just sum up here. Every negative, spontaneous thought that comes from the enemy will breed depression, fear, anxiety, hatred, tirelessness, hopelessness, confusion, shame, guilt. It doesn't come from God. Fear in the Scripture is reverence. Fear I'm talking about is anxiety, scared. Let me give you another one. If you hear what if, or what if this happens, or what if that happens, or what if, what about, what if, you know, what if everything goes wrong? What if, have you ever heard that? When you hear the what ifs, God says, my yes will be yes and my no will be no. If I hear the what ifs, I can tell you I know by character and content where that's coming from. It's trying to get me anxious, worried, and trying to confuse me and get me off. And it'll make you live a double-minded, confused. The enemy, he's accuser, deceiver, father of lies. He tempts, he roars. He threatens. But what does God's voice sound like? It sounds like love. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. Well, I'm gonna, I want to read a scripture to you, and I know you've read it, and I know you've, it's probably in your wedding. But I want you to look at this, and I want you to think of, this is how God talks to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, it's not envious, or it's not boastful, and it's not proud, it's not arrogant. Love is not rude. I love. It's not rude. It does not demand its own way. The voice of God. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Listen to me. God's love, God's word, God's voice is patient and kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. God doesn't push. He invites. He's not irritated. I thought I've irritated Him a few times. How about you? He keeps no record of wrongs. Well, if I keep remembering what's wrong, who's bringing it up? He keeps no record of wrong. 
As far as the east from the west, so far I've removed your iniquities from you. How many of you get reminded? I do quite often. I'm the only one. Man. God warns us, believe me. He warns us, but He doesn't threaten or intimidate. He doesn't force. He invites. Follow me. He's not compulsive. He's patient, kind, gentle, good, and accepting. He lifts up. He doesn't tear you down. He comforts. He never condemns. Every time Jesus said, woe to you, He was inviting them to wake up. If you keep going the way you're going, this is what they're... That's not... It's just kindness. It's the goodness and kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Isn't it amazing? We've been attributing to God what the devil's been telling us. And we think, well, if God, it's too good to be true to hear what God's really saying. He can't really forgive me because I can't forgive myself. He can't really be that loving because I can't love me. He can't really... You see, we attribute what the enemy's telling us to God and then what the... What God's telling us, we, we attribute that that's our own thinking and we just, we just got to throw that aside. Because we don't know His voice. Because we don't know His character in the content. God loves you. The next thing, God's voice, it sounds a lot like Jesus. <laughs> Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come to him and I'll dine with him and he with me. If he will hear my voice, if I hear his voice, I can open the door. He'll not force him. He's not going to kick the door in. I'll come into him and I'll dine. We'll fellowship and he with me. It's your choice to invite him in. He knocks, he doesn't push. You want to hear, I love this passage of Scripture, especially in the message of Bible. I love this passage of Scripture in Jesus. This is the words of Jesus. Listen to them. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms, the unforced rhythms, the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Note the words, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. God's not out to get you, folks. He's out to love you and out to lead you in the fullness of life. God's voice, these are going to be on the screen. He's, his voice is the Father who speaks to you as a child. He's the voice of a bridegroom who lavishes his bride with words. He's the friend who speaks to you as his friend. He's the forgiver who speaks to you as the forgiven. He's the deliverer who speaks to you to be delivered. God never says to whom it may concern. He says, whosoever will. He calls you by name. I remember when I heard my name. I heard my name.
He calls you up to what He knows He's created you to be. He'll tell you the truth in a way that sets you free. Folks, we've got to learn to follow His voice. I grew up in church. God was a part of my family before I was born. I knew all the stories. I went to all the classes. I sat through the prayer meetings. You notice what I just said? I sat through the prayer meetings. I listened to hundreds of sermons. I knew that God was holy. I knew He hated sin. I knew He was coming back one day. And when I was nine years old, I I walked an aisle and became a Christian. I was baptized and my name was put on the church roll. I was now a member. I did what everyone else did at my church. I was told now to read my Bible, to pray, to attend, and when I sinned, to confess. I tried. I tried real hard. Sometimes I didn't try at all. My relationship with God was no more, no deeper than a mere arrangement or an understanding of church doctrine, a salvation message. Christ was someone who paid my sin bill in heaven and wrote my name in His book. It wasn't until years later, now listen to me, I'm not saying I wasn't a Christian. When I called upon His name, He saved me. But I was living a religious life because I didn't know anything different. But there came a time years later when I came to hear His voice and it was a voice of love. And when I heard it, something changed inside of me. He didn't condemn me. He loved me. All the things that I thought He would say, He didn't say. And what I never dreamed, he said. Over time, I've learned better over time to recognize his voice. I've learned what it, what his character and his and the content. I, I've I've understood, and and sometimes I miss it. In fact, a lot of times I probably miss it. But I've learned to set my heart to respond to Him. Because I've learned something. When I respond, and it's God, I find that I hear more. It's all about relationship. Listen, listen. God doesn't command me. He invites me. I'm the one that chooses whether to follow or not. I remember... A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my chair with my remote. Anybody identify? I was watching the World Series, Game 5. That's a long one. And I was sitting there just watching the World Series. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is how God can wrap Himself around your life. I sat there and, and <laughs> I heard, He's fixing to knock a home run. Okay, we need a home run right now. He got up. Anybody want to know what happened? He knocked it. He run home run. Next round, they were at bat. I'm sitting there just watching, and I hear, he's fixing to knock a home run. I didn't want him to knock a home run. He got up. He knocked a home run. I said, wow. That's weird. Notice, that's crazy. That's schizoid.
Now, I didn't see the end of that game because I went to bed. It was too late. But let me tell you what I did. The next game, I'm going to see if it will work again. Knock a home run. Knock a home run. We need a home run. Knock a home run. didn't work. Because it wasn't about home runs. It was about me and my father watching TV together. Just living in relationship. Sometimes we think it couldn't be God because it's too simple. It's too loving. It's too light. See, we think if God's going to speak to me, it's got to be big, booming, and demanding. God might just let you enjoy knowing what's fixing to happen and rejoice in it. Why? Because He's a Father. Learn to hear and respond to His voice. I can't make home runs. But the Lord can let me know. He says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you mighty things, many things that you don't even know. Trust me. God wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't want what you can do for Him. Listen to me. He doesn't want what you can do for Him. He doesn't have a refrigerator that He wants to put your painted picture on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But He loves to be in relationship with you and He will put everything you do on His refrigerator. Not because you've done it for Him, but because He has a relationship with His children. He values everything He's doing in your life. Listen to Him. Follow His voice. How do I know? How do I know? Is it me? Is it God? Is it the enemy? A character and content. Listen. And respond. Do you know Him? Do you hear His voice? Will you follow him? Let's pray. Father, we honor you and we bless you. We thank you that you are a speaking, loving, living creator. You gave your son on the cross 2,000 years ago that we might be born from above and have you living inside. New life. And Lord, we have the opportunity to use our minds to learn what you're like to listen to Your voice and to respond, to use our bodies to live in relationship with You. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that You would open our eyes, You would open our ears, and open our hearts to receive from You. And Lord, when You speak, I want to follow. I want to follow. I don't want to do, I want to be. I want to be with You. And I want to see what You can do in and through me. Lord, lift me up. Show me the way. I'll trust in You with all my heart and I'll lean not on my own understanding. I'll acknowledge You in all my ways and I trust You to direct my path. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Thank You. You want to speak to Your children like a father. You want to love us like a bridegroom and His bride. You want to speak to us in forgiveness so that we know we're forgiven. Deliver us today, Lord. 
Help us choose the right boy. And thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.